This week, a struggling witch in a neighborhood that's gentrifying around her seeks clients after a mysterious saboteur has torched her reputation. An intensely personal show that is itself a kind of magic, it's Kalila Stormfire's Economical Magic Services, coming up right here on Radio Drama Revival. Hey folks, welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of modern audio fiction. I'm your host, David Reinstrom. This week's show is special. I mean, they're all special, right? That's the bargain you strike with us when you subscribe to this podcast. We comb the internet, the archives, and all the ships at sea to bring you podcast fiction that entertains, enlights, and sometimes terrifies. A lot of shows in this medium have helped a lot of people process difficult periods in their life, myself included. Uh, Wooden Overcoats, at its sincerest, helps me process death. The Bright Sessions has helped me process and recontextualize the experience of living with a chronic mental illness. Wolf 359 helped me ponder the shape of the human soul. So when I say that this show, this week, is special, I do not mean to deride or denigrate anything that has come before or moved us. What Kalila Stormfire's Economical Magic Services does for me is help me recontextualize how I think about myself as a person. It's born out of show creator Lizette Alvarez's real-life faith and magic practice through a school of thought Lizette's coven leader calls elemental psychology. And you'll hear more from them a week from now, when you hear our interview. It's an intensely personal project for Alvarez, and in the process of listening to it, you are helping them cast a kind of spell. Storytelling is a ritual, and it's very powerful. Now, Submissions Editor Ellie was going to co-host this episode with me, but she has taken ill with the lurgy, and so I have extracted a quote from her, which I shall now read. I said to her, Elena, why does this show resonate so strongly with you? And she said, The love Kalila puts into understanding other people and helping other people understand themselves and learning how to do that with herself, that's something that resonates with me in my personal growth. Like, this isn't just a show to watch someone else grow. Kalila Stormfire's Economical Magic Services is a show that will help you grow too, even if entirely by accident. Thanks, Ellie. Feel better soon. The way a story is told reveals a lot about a creator and what's important to them, but the way we receive a story reveals a lot about us as listeners. I wonder what you'll get from this, an urban fantasy about a witch with a magic consulting business in a world where hospitals have witch EMTs for magic ailments, where fey energies threaten to pop through the veil, and where a boy struggles to prepare a piano piece for his recital. Kalila Stormfire's first season takes the form of recorded case files, or most of it does, so this episode is a single voicer. The more you go through the series, the more the story evolves, and by season two, it's become a full-cast show. This episode comes from season one, when Kalila's witch business struggles to deal with the fallout from a stranger who is determined to ruin her reputation online. This is season one, episode three. Music. Kalila Stormfire's Economical Magic Services. The following entry is for initiated ears only. Case 3. Music. Today's date is October 7th. 
The moon is in Taurus, waning gibbous. Sun is in Libra. Client name is Farah Muhammad. She is 42 years old, a Capricorn. Her alignment is introverted feeling, no patron. She walked in requesting a custom spell service for her son. I made sure she understood my restrictions on types of spells done on second parties. The spell in question was to help her son, Nassim, excel at his piano recital. I've done music magic before. Uh, Siren, who wanted to filter her voice for her fiancé on their wedding night. Um, This wasn't as complex as that. Just a simple enough spell around confidence. I didn't foresee any initial issues around consent, uh, so I agreed. I sat her down and asked her a few more questions about her son to make sure I constructed the spell correctly. He had been so nervous about the upcoming recital that he couldn't remember half of the piece he had been practicing for six months. I recommended a take-the-stage potion regimen. He would take it every morning and night, and once before each practice session until his recital. It is tailored to boost focus, calm, creativity, memory, and expression. I left a spring of rosemary to charge on my grandmother's old upright. I've never played the piano myself, but a few years back I had another client who needed an extra bit of inspiration. I'd been pulling out my hair trying to get the potency right when something, or rather someone, played a few of the out-of-tune keys. Sure enough, After I left a candle on the bench overnight, the spell worked perfectly. So, I thought, the piano would be also a perfect charging mechanism for Nassim's potion, considering the focus of his anxiety. I aimed to add some crumbled lady fingers into the honeyed mixture for extra sweetness and, well, dexterity. I was in the middle of gathering ingredients when Far received a call uh, from her son. I was in the pantry while she was talking to him, so I don't think she thought I could hear her. You know, it's kind of hard to figure out what exactly a one-sided conversation is about. Well, it took me a second to get the gist, but I could tell she was trying to keep him from knowing where she was. When she started shouting in Arabic, I stopped chopping up ginkgo biloba to return to the sitting room. She had hung up by the time I got there. I asked Farah if everything was all right. She waved me away and told me everything was fine. I told her that if he did not want the spell done, I would have to change the format into a remote working. The spell might not work. At worst it could backfire on an unwilling subject. She would have to take the uh, consequences herself. She told me to continue and that she'd worry about convincing her son after I completed the spell kit. So I switched to anointed candles. I could still use the same ingredients. They would just be burned off of the candle instead of being ingested by Nassim. There was a knock at the door about 
20 minutes later. I left the half-combined ingredients on my kitchen counter to see who it was. My wind chimes tinkled from the inside of the hallway as I passed. An unhappy visitor, then. Farah met me at the entryway. By the look on her face, I knew it was probably Nassim. So much for a straightforward spell working. Nassim was a tall boy with the eyes of a much older man. Lack of sleep had clearly taken its toll on the kid, and I could see his anxiety constrict around his heart like barbed wire. Sparks of nausea were dancing around his stomach in nauseating colors. He was angry, though, and that is what I needed to address first. I pulled back my sight, enough to tell him his mother was here to seek help from me and that he was welcome to come in as long as he agreed to allow me to facilitate the discussion. His jaw clicked shut. He was about to go off on me, and I had taken that rant away from him. Angry brooding was a better look on him than nausea, though. Nassim let me lead him to the sitting room. He took the opposite chair from the old love seat his mother sat on. I took my armchair and asked Nassim if he knew what his mother had asked me to do for him. He told me no, but he had guessed after his father told him his mother had left. She had tried to convince him for days to get help. He didn't want to. He believed that magic does nothing to boost genius and if he was really talented, he would be able to push through and master his piece. His mother interrupted, telling him that he was talented. He had already proven that. She told me his grades were failing, too, because he was exhausting himself by practicing his recital piece over and over and over again. I gently told Farah to wait for Nassim to explain why he refused to get any sort of help. Nassim told me he had asked his instructor for advice and that Mr. Saeed had just told him that it was a creative block that he had to push through. I agreed with him and his instructor on one thing, at least. Magic would be a band-aid to the real problem. I asked Nassim to go to my grandmother's piano. I moved the rosemary aside and told him that it was out of tune, but... I wanted him to play the piece. I've already gone through this with Mr. Saeed, Nassim complained as he sat down on the small bench, trying to identify what about the piece is screwing up my feelings. He thinks it has something to do with the emotional tone of the piece. None of your mojo is going to change that. I asked him, honestly curious, what the tone of the piece was. He told me it's about remembering what it feels like to fall in love for the first time. Are you in love? I asked, suppressing the sharp pang in my stomach. It was an old hurt that it's been resolved. It just, I think it's relevant to add here. I was hesitant about where this conversation was heading. No, 
He continued, Like I told Mr. Said, I chose the piece because it was a little like the first piece I played when I was eight. I thought it would be a good way to show how much I've grown. I'm used to my own gut instincts by now. I asked Nassim, when was your birthday? September 22nd, he told me. What does that have to do with anything? I asked him when he started having trouble. It took a moment. He looked surprised. And after another moment, I could tell he caught my meaning. So I asked him to play the first few bars of the song for me. I lit a candle and I placed it on the mantel above the piano. A regular white candle, I promised when he asked. I did mention I was going to do a little grounding work for him. Nothing more. I even showed him what I would do to ground him. He seemed okay, convinced I wasn't going to change him into some fake savant with false confidence at a snap of my fingers. I appreciate the kid's integrity, really. Anyway, I asked him to just play the first few bars again and again until I told him to stop. He complained about how out of tune the piano was, but he obliged. The piece was complex, even at the beginning. And even to my novice ears, I could tell he was very trained at the edge of his own genius he just needed like he said to grow into it I've worked with Peter Pan complexes before used to be more along the lines of older men who couldn't find a stable partner to build a life with some teenagers though rub up against adulthood, not with the ecstatic, naive embrace of youth, but with the terror of a child who believes adulthood is something strange and terrible. They aren't wrong, of course, which makes it a harder problem to solve. As I helped Nassim's energetic body root itself into the cool, dark earth. I took note of the doors beginning to open as his fingers flit over the keys. Doors to thoughts and feelings covered up and forgotten. Music is rooted in memory and language. Music opens doors. I'm getting bored, he said after a few minutes. Can I stop? I told him no, and told him to keep playing the same phrase. He relented, and I kept him plugged into the earth. Slowly. Very slowly. I felt his spirit flicker in time with the music 
it was a comforting phrase to him. Out of curiosity, I opened my sight to see and there it was. The bond between him and his music and him and his mother glowed with the warmth of, well, love, a child's love. I quietly told Nassim to keep playing, but I really didn't need to tell him that. He had slipped into a trance and hardly lost a beat between the cycle of sound. Remember when you were a child, I whispered into his ear. The feel of grass under your palms as you hid away in the bushes. The ease of dancing under blanket forts and the thrill of finishing your first video game, defeating the bad guys and believing you could have fun forever. Now, remember the first time you failed a test. Remember the first time you stumbled and scratched your knee. The pain, the frustration. When you lost your favorite toy, never for it to return. When you choked up at your first recital. That's what you see adulthood as, right? A song ending. You don't want to finish the song because it's too beautiful to let go of. It's the magic inside of you that you think will die. I promise you, Nassim, that magic will never die. You hear it every time you play. You can remember it and let it flow through you. Let it play, Nassim.
Nassim finished the piece. I let his mother replace me at his side as he cried, mourning the childhood that needed to step back and let something else grow. I know he's going to be okay. Hell, (laughs) I remember my own Peter Pan crisis. Hit me at 21. Uh, God, that was a horror show. I think I must have hit up every karaoke bar in town. Dionysus took some pity on me, I guess. A couple of leprechauns made sure I made it home okay. I think... One of them gave me a lecture on singing while drunk. (laughs) A leprechaun gave me advice on toning down the beer shanties. (laughs) Anyway, I, I got all that out of my system. I mean, I'm still here. That's a good sign, right? Sign that I'm an adult? Okay. Nassim accepted the take the stage potion once I agreed to lower its potency. Farah thanked me and I asked her to make sure if she needs anything to remember Kalila Stormfire's economical magic services. <laughs> hmm. Another client canceled today. I didn't even have the chance to talk to them on the phone. They had sent me an email asking for a house protection spell and then sent another one about two minutes later to cancel. They didn't say why, but I'm guessing they did a last-minute Google search. (sighs) I know, I know that Gloria's right, she said. It's not... The High Coven, they've cut me out, but they aren't really the type to do that kind of thing. After what happened with Samuel, he was allowed to just live out his life in peace. We didn't do anything to him to muck up his life. Banishment was punishment enough. It's not like I've given them anything worse to hate me for than Samuel's financial meddling. Just broke a tiny, little, fundamental but really minor rule, I guess. Well, as much as I trust Gloria, the coven is still on the list of suspects as far as I'm concerned. End session. Kalila Stormfire's Economical Magic Services is produced, written, and performed by Lisette Alvarez. Check out more content at patreon.com forward slash Kalila Stormfire or follow the podcast Tumblr or Twitter pages. Thank you for listening. What's blocking you in your life? The answer isn't always magical. Magic and storytelling are another way of seeing, another way of revealing and understanding grand mysteries of existence. 
Lizette says that if something is holding you back, if there is a place in which you feel the weakest, it's in that place of weakness where your greatest, most secret strength lies. If only you can harness it. Our conversation next week is going to go into some of the things that happen towards the back end of season one. So if this episode intrigued you, I would go ahead and listen to the entire catalog of the series before you listen to our interview with Lizette. And if you feel so moved after all of that listening, head to the production's Patreon page over at patreon.com slash Stormfire and consider supporting them. Radio Drama Revival has a Patreon, too, over at patreon.com slash radiodramarevival, where you can join the ranks of Thomas Matlick, Ashley Quatch, and Jeff Andreessen. Thanks, buddies. I appreciate you. Did you know that we also have a sweet website? It's radiodramarevival.com. You can listen to our backlog and browse by genre. It's really excellent. Radio Drama Revival is brought to you by your donations, the power of love, and also by our new and incredible dog, Phryne, a Catahoula leopard dog mixed with an Australian cattle dog. Say hello, Phryne! I'm going to see if I can actually get her to come in. And I, I don't know, one second. Phryne. Phryne, baby. Come to me. Yes. Off the couch. Off the couch for me, your human father. She's very quiet. Good girl. <laughs> and now, your moment of will. Franny, speak. <coughs> oh, good girl. That's a good little detective. For this week's trivia, let's talk about some magical herbs. So most of us know that herbs are said to have specific magical properties. Sage is a pretty common one. But what common fruit is said to bring good luck and good fortune. You can hear the answer next week when we hear the interview between David and Lisette. All right, Will, you ready to take it to the bridge? Let's take it to the bridge. You gonna take it to the bridge? Let's take it to the bridge. Take it to the bridge. I'll count it off. One, two, three, four. Da, 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 da. It's credits time. Da, da, bum, bum, ba, da, da, ba, da, ba, ba, ba. Oh, we're still. Still? It's credits time. Okay. It's credits time. Our theme music is Danger Diggy Doo by DJ Stranger Danger. You can find his music on SoundCloud. Our line producer is the incomparable Will Williams. Our interviews producer is the fantabulous Eli McElvey. Our associate producer is the unparalleled Sean Howard. Our researcher is the unmatched Heather Cohen. Our submissions editor is the indomitable Elena Fernandez-Collins. Our social media manager is the unrivaled James Oliva. And our executive producer is the ineffable Fred Greenhalgh. I'm your host, David Reinstrom, and this has been Radio Drama Revival. All storytellers welcome. <laughs>